Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by 78 Sports. My name is Owen Shadrick. Thank you for tuning in to another episode here in Season 6. We're very happy to have you. In Futures League news this week, we had a major, another Futures League Major League debut, David Griffin from Curry College and the Brockton Rocks. Congratulations to him for coming in relief for Mr. Max Scherzer. We had Cam Maldonado, the reigning home run derby champ, continuing to blast home runs for the Northeastern Huskies. And we have a rebrand in Nashua as the Silver Knights are going with a new look, a new logo, and a new nickname, Gate City. Congratulations to the Silver Knights on their rebrand. We look forward to seeing those jerseys this summer. On this episode, we have a member of the Nashua Silver Knights. It is George Welch, who is a three-year veteran of the Futures League and was a 2022 champion last year. George talks about his time in Nashua, his season at Southern New Hampshire University, where he is a two-time pitcher of the week already in this early college season. He talks about that. He talks about his Tommy John surgery, and of course, being a Silver Knight and the fun times that he has had there. Once again, we continue to have the link for Pete Wilk, Vermont Lake Monsters head coach, who is going through brain cancer. Please continue to contribute to that link. Once again, is in the captions for the podcast. Now for this episode, it's George Welch. We are honored to be joined by our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He's been a Nashua Silver Knight for three of the last four seasons and he is currently dealing at Southern New Hampshire University up in Manchester. It's George Welch. George, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Doing well, man. And let's get this going here. I just mentioned that you've been dealing to start the year. You've been named any 10 pitcher of the week for two weeks in a row. What's it like having such success early on here for the Penman? Um, I mean, I've just been put into a great position by my coaches. Uh, they gave us a great program after the summer. I threw a lot of innings uh, in Nashville and then obviously in Brewster too, but um, he put me on a shutdown program and developed me where I was going to be successful by the time the season started. So um, we didn't face the strongest competition in the first two games, but I mean, that's when you got to take advantage of the weaker teams when you play them. So um, I was grateful to now be a starter for Snoo and um so far, so good with our team, and I'm grateful that I've had um, some good outings so far, but obviously, it's only been three games this season, so got to continue this process throughout the whole year. Yeah, you said it. It's good to get, you know, early action in against teams that, you know, you might not be seeing at the end of the year, teams that might not be as well-positioned as you guys, but you, it's, it's good to get those innings in and, and get yeah. your starts in when you can. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned it, you've been with the Futures League for three years, including 2019, 2021, and 2022, all with Nashua. What has it meant to, uh, to play for them for, for three of the last four years? Uh, it's been amazing. Uh, they've done they've done a lot for me. My first year with Nashua, um, I unfortunately had to get Tommy John during the summer. So I left them midway through. But um, even when I did that, they've had my back no matter what they've always been reaching out to me asking um how i've been if i can if they can do anything to help me and they're always the first people to reach out hoping that i'll be able to play for them again and i i just can't thank them enough i love it there i don't think there's a better place that you can play summer ball um the opportunities they give the field you play at um the apparel they give you the treatment they give you it makes you feel like a big leaguer and um, obviously summer ball is for development too, but the experience there is just like no other, the memories and 
all the friends I've made there is unbelievable. And Nashua is definitely a second home to me. Um, it's just everything, everything they do there is just to better the players. And especially, I would say, especially this past summer, obviously um, winning the summer championship that obviously is amazing for our team, but uh, just the connection I had, just the connection, Cam Cook, Katie Aren, uh, KJX, all the guys, uh, we just were a special bond this summer. And um, I don't think I could have ever asked for a better summer than what I had this summer. They just planned it out amazing for us. Yeah. And you mentioned it after three tries, you have a ring on your finger. You are a futures league champion as national silver Knights won the 2022 title. What does it mean to finally have that banner raised after, as I said, after three tries. And as you said, with a group that was so close. Uh, it's amazing because usually like you put all forth your effort in the spring season, you're locked in on your school team. And like I was saying, the summer is just for your development, just to get your innings in ABs in. But um, we had a really special group this summer and the guys there, they're going to be, they're going to be guys that I talk to forever. Uh, this group always communicates and just the fans in Nashua, it, it meant so much for us because they were traveling to New Britain. They were traveling to Vermont and those trips for just us players is not a lot, but it's two and a half hours minimum for those rides from Nashua and for the fans to be spending their own money, taking their own time out of their days to travel with us. That meant a lot for us to win a championship for the fans itself and the Nashua base. And it was it was especially with that game with the Kyle Wolf home run and Will Andrews getting out of that bases loaded one out. That was, that was the best game I've ever, I've ever been a part of. And um, kudos to Vermont. That's, that was the best offensive team out there this summer. And we knew that we were going to have to be on our top basis to beat them. And um, thankfully we snuck out a win there and got to give everything back to Nashville that they've given to us. Yeah, it was an incredible season and an incredible championship series between the two of you guys, the back and forth and, and everything that happened. It was incredible. That was that was, uh, that was by far the best game I've been a part of. And a big part of that game was Will Andrews, who was the closer for you guys last year. We had him on our D1 opening day special earlier this season. He spoke very highly of you and the rest of the Nashville bullpen. What does it mean to be so close with the guys that you pitched beside and, and would sit against in the bullpen and all the guys in general on the bench? Cause it was, as I said before, it was a very tight net group. Yeah. Um, well, at first for our team, we struggled offensively severely. Um, obviously everybody's coming out of either high school or coming out of their, a long season. So it was tough for everybody to switch over to, but um, our, our bullpen, uh, we had a special, we had a special bond and it became a situation where it was always uh, Noah Walker, Shu, Gitch, Will Andrews, and me. Like those were the guys out of the pen at the end. And if we knew if it got to us, um, our job was obviously just to put up as many zeros as we could. And eventually, we found that rhythm after I think we started. I showed up like I'd say like five games late from our season in Snoo, but uh, when I got there. Um, I think we were like four and nine, four and 10. We were not good at all. Uh, just making a ton of errors, but we found, we found a way to figure everything out in the bullpen. The bullpen became a serious thing. I feel like every team had its good guys, but I feel like overall our team was just extremely developed and we did our job every single time. And like I was saying, if it got to Will Andrews in the eighth or seventh, he would hand it off to me in the ninth. And it just, it, 
we had confidence in our guys. And I feel like that was a big difference maker because everybody who was on the mound believed in themselves and knew that everybody, not just our fans, our coaches, but our entire team in Nashua itself had our backs. So that gave us a big confidence booster for sure. And um, just overall, like I was saying, these are the best guys I've ever played with. So it was easy to play with them and it made succeeding um, a lot more less stressful and easier for us as a group. Yeah. And you mentioned it, it was a great group of guys that you played with and you, but you've also been part of the league for multiple other years and you were a veteran now of the futures league and were able to be a voice in that locker room. What did it mean to you to be a seasoned veteran, to be a voice for the, for the younger guys that are either freshmen or are new to summer baseball? Um, so Cam Cook brought me in this past year. I was undecisive at first if I was going to end up officially coming to Nashua for the summer. But when I came there, he specifically told me, he was like, listen, I know, I know you've been around the program for three, this will be your third year. Um, this is a younger team this year. We need you to take a bigger leadership role and I need you to take it like a little more serious. And, um, I feel like just being around the league itself, I knew how it ran. Uh, obviously it's not much different from college baseball. Everybody's just trying to get better, trying to get their looks, but being a veteran, I just felt like it was a strength for me because I just know how everything was working in the summer. And I don't know, I just didn't, I didn't change anything from what I was doing in the season unless I had to. So when I was, if they were swinging and missing through my heaters in games, I, I wouldn't change anything. And all these like freshmen that are coming in, those are typically the guys that are getting a lot more views from uh, colleges and all these other things like Kyle Wolf and Ray Velasquez. But um, switching over from high school baseball to Futures League is a huge jump, and I understood that. And making sure I was a leader, people are struggling at the beginning of the year. Like I said, we were 4-10. and 10. Uh, Nothing was going great for us. But just having not just me, but Zach Kitshire, um, LT Pare, um, just Noah Walker, too. We all have been around Nashua ourselves in just a futures league. So we knew how to, we knew how to gather everyone together. We knew how to work together. We knew it was going to be not just a beginning of the season thing. We knew it was going to be a journey and we couldn't just dwell on our losses at the beginning of the year. We knew that whatever we needed to adjust, we need to adjust and we didn't need to extremely attack it. We just needed to take one step at a time, one step at a time. And um, I don't know how the other GMs work in the league. Obviously every team is, created and coached very well by everybody in the league but our gm and kjax and katie like i was saying they they bring a special type of energy to the table and it's more than just baseball to them so that makes it that made it a lot more heartwarming for us and uh being a veteran like you were saying it's it's not much of a difference it's just like a leadership captain role and i was willing to take that on this summer because I knew that um, this could be my last go around in Nashua and enjoying the summer with all the guys is great, but obviously everybody's end goal is winning a championship and it, that just made it a whole lot better. Yeah. And a great group of guys and going from the team to yourself for a second, how has summer baseball improved your game and the way that you go about playing it now, especially as you said, you've been a veteran of futures league and now you're, you're one of the older, older guys at, uh, at SNU. Um, so at first I feel like summer baseball, um, it has a little less stress on you, especially, um, before playoffs, 
Uh, that's when you start to work on the things that your coaches told you to work on over the summer. Um, just getting better overall, being able to lift all summer too. Um, that's the biggest part, but I would just say probably just continuing to get your reps, continuing to compete. Those are the biggest things for summer ball. And um, with the futures league, especially, I feel like you can't really find a competitive league like this. All the other ones um, I was grateful to play for Brewster, like I said, but all the other ones are just repetition and stuff. This one, I just feel like the competition and the final goal, the end goal is just a lot more stronger in the Futures League. And winning that championship means so much more than just yourself goals. Like no one wants to be traveling to host families, traveling to the field every day still, and just not coming up with the success that they wanted. Um with Nashville, we got to become better every day and just winning that championship. It's, it's insane. And it was the best feeling. And once, once we started to get that success and felt like we had that shot was when I, not just me, but the team itself really recognized that the futures league is really strong and it means more than just getting better as yourself you get to create new friendships, new developments, and that championship means so much. And the adequate fans, the benefits that they give you, it's it's amazing there. And I'd feel like that's the difference between the Futures League and other leagues in summer ball is the competitiveness that it continues through school ball into the summer. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one thing that I always talk to everybody about is the Futures League, it's D1, D2, D3. It's all three of those playing a major role. And you don't see that as often in these other leagues and especially obviously at school because you're playing against one division. But that's what I always find fascinating about the Futures League is the way that D1 guys can take or D3 guys can take on D3, D1 guys and vice versa. And it's it's just it's baseball. It's pure baseball and yeah. it's most simple form. Uh, an example right there is Jack McDermott that plays at Amherst College D3. He was on Nashua. Um, he started off a little slow, but once he started seeing the pitch, and I mean, besides Kyle Wolf, he was the biggest clutch hitter of the summer for us. Against New Britain, he single-handedly won the first game for us. Uh, Vermont game two at our place, we were down 3 nothing, and uh, Goldstein, who was a great closer for Vermont all summer, when he came out on the mound, I mean, most of the time the game was over and Jack McDermott found a way to battle off pitches and then hit that walk-off double. Um, those are the D3 guys you see, and there's D3 arms. Um, Zach Gitshire, like I was saying, from just Nashua itself, um, he's a great arm. No Walker, great arm. Zach Gitshire actually transferred to SNU this year, so I get to play with him not just in the summer but here. But you see a lot of D3 guys, and – I feel like sometimes I was a D3 guy myself before I transferred to SNU. Um, I feel like sometimes the recognition down at that level isn't the best, but I mean, this, that's where the futures league succeeds again, because they give those opportunities to the D3 guys that could be hidden from all these other players and Nash, uh, not just Nashville, but the futures league itself reaches out to all these players and they prove themselves. Um, New Britain had that, I forget his name. He, Teddy, Teddy something. He, he battled off. He was one of the best players in the Futures League and he goes to MIT. Um, 
obviously the it's not balanced. You go where you go, but the Futures League really finds those incredible D3 guys and lets them compete with every D1, D2, D3 that's in the Futures League. And it lets them get that recognition and gives them that feeling and potentially that confidence booster for the following spring season. Yeah, that's great to hear. And it's great to hear it coming from you as a player. And you mentioned Zach Getshire, who's now your teammate at SNU. He's one of the many guys who are in the NE10 who have played in the Futures League. What's it like going back to school and playing against some of those guys in conference? And is there any good stories that have come out of that when you're facing guys on the mound? Um, nothing specifically on the mound. Um, I have a teammate who goes to, who played for Worcester this past summer and the summer before that, Cam Carraher. Um, obviously they're owned by the same people, but I feel like that's what gave it the, um, the enemy, the enemy rivalry with Worcester. Um, we just wanted to be the better team for the ownership, but we always just talk about jokingly. We always drive it by Worcester stadium and when we're traveling down south for games and he always just like has to wake me up or like point out like we're passing by the woo we're passing by fit and field um it's just the competition level makes it better and we always have these jokes about just summer ball um it's always brought up gitch me me and gitch are constantly always um joking and chirping each other about summer ball um it feels good to continue to have that competition level from the Futures League into the NE10. Uh, with my team, it's not many people from the Futures League. I believe it's just me, Cam, Mike LaRocca from Brockton, who played for Nashua with me in 2019, and Kyle Levine just transferred here also from Nashua. Um, we just It just gives us more of uh, time to reflect on our memories than competition level. But we we always uh, make sure to bring out how we beat we beat Cam Carraher in Worcester. Um, but he'll he'll always mention to us that the season beforehand um, we had that last game against Worcester in Worcester to give us a chance to make the playoffs if Westfield also lost. Um, and unfortunately, we ended up losing that game. So he always brings that up, saying he took us out then. But um, it stings. But thankfully, this year we end up getting the last laugh and. Um, got to hoist the trophy at the end so it just it just builds a little bit of uh extra character and competition inside of the competition yeah that those are some good stories right there about about the boys and and the futures league the bond as you talked about hold on we'll get right back to back to the futures but first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports do you have kids playing baseball or softball we all know practice time is limited especially here in new england not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net, or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, 
back to your regularly scheduled programming. And transitioning here to your college years, you started at St. Joe's in Maine, but decided to transfer to Southern New Hampshire. What led to your decision to transfer? Not being able to have that senior spring season to recruit since it's a spring sport, it's very late. Um, That gave me less of an opportunity for recruitment since I got hurt my junior year. And at the time, I really wanted a two-way. I played first base at Pinkerton in high school. So St. Joe's gave me that opportunity. Um, When I went to St. Joe's, I ended up just sticking to pitching. But I just felt like playing for uh, Nashville, playing with all those guys, I felt like um, I wanted to up the ante with the competition. And I entered the transfer portal. Um, That was a crazy process because of COVID. So there was so many people in the portal. Um, But thankfully, Scott Loazzo, my coach right now, uh, reached out to me, um, gave me great benefits. And I just feel like I've found myself to get a lot better with not just pitching, but the game itself. And he has gave me a lot of lessons on what I didn't know, which I thought I did. And that transfer, I feel like, was the best decision for me. Um, I feel like I've just completely strengthened my game since I've been at Southern New Hampshire. And um, it just has made me want to be better at the game constantly and has hopefully given me an outlook on the future. Um, That's time to tell. But um, Snoo, Snoo has just been – I'm so grateful I made that decision. I couldn't have been put into a better spot. And – the coaches here, the coaching staff is very giving, um, always wanting you to be better. And uh, they just push you. Um, even when last year we were, we went to the national championship, lost our first two there, but um, we were 46 and 10. And that was a great record. And even when we were on like a 22 game win streak, that still, that still wasn't enough. Um, we still found the things that we needed to work on. We still needed to be better at for the future. And I feel like that's a great thing about Snoo is, you're never, you're never humble. You're never satisfied. Uh, there's always more things you need to work forward to. And that I feel like was the flip of the switch for me. I felt like uh, beforehand I was at, if I was doing well, there was nothing for me to get better for. While when I got here, yeah, I had a great outing, but this batter here, you didn't execute the right way. Um, you always see the things that I didn't see beforehand. And I feel like with that switch, that's just made me a better baseball player overall, transferring from St. Joe's to Snow. Yeah, that's a great success story. And you mentioned something that I do want to touch on, the COVID transfer portal and how crazy that was. When you entered it and you saw the amount of guys who also entered it, did that phase you at all? What was it kind of like being part of that transfer portal, especially during such uncertain times for for everybody during uh, during COVID? Um, for me, it definitely, it definitely gave me – a little fear because I wasn't cleared from Tommy John yet. I was, I was still recovering from that. So obviously there was so the most people that have ever been in the transfer portal because of all the new rules and restrictions um, that made me worry because obviously there was multiple other me's out there um, that were healthy. So that, that made me stress a little bit and um, the slimness of communication from coaches, they had all these other guys out there. So they had whatever they wanted to choose from. Um, but overall, I feel like, I don't know. I I feel like that the COVID transfer portal helped a lot of people and it's given everybody that extra life that they potentially didn't have because of COVID, but, uh, definitely brought some more fear into my eye. Um, but I feel like the way that was with 
how the transfer portal was is the reason why I came to SNU. So I'm just very grateful for everything that's happened, uh, the way the transfer portal was, because I wouldn't be at SNU and I wouldn't have made the bonds, friendships, and the jumps in baseball that I would have if I wasn't at SNU, I feel like. Yeah, it's always great to see these transfer transfer success stories, especially, as I said, there's so many guys in the portal, so it's good that you found your home. And you talked about it a little bit. Last year, you guys went on a tear. You won the NA10. You had the win streak, as you said. What was what was it like kind of going into that and seeing immediate success for you guys as a team? Um, overall, um, Scott Loazzo has a huge winning record. So it was, for us, um, obviously I was new, but it was like nothing new. Um, like I was saying, we just continued to get better. Um, obviously, wins grow our confidence and our success even more in the future. So that benefited us, but uh, we were never satisfied. We were always hungry. Um, but the one thing that with that win streak is um, there were some games where we might not play to our best, but because of that win streak, because of our rankings in the college baseball hub, uh, some teams fear us because of that. So it gives us a little over the top edge on all these other teams. You touched on it earlier. One thing that you had to go through was getting Tommy John surgery. And I just want to ask first off, how scary was it when you found out that news in 2019 that you'd have to get Tommy John surgery, which is one of the biggest surgeries in baseball? Um, that news to me was probably the worst news that you can ever be given as a baseball player. Uh, I didn't know what the future was for me. I truthfully thought that, um, that might've been the end of my baseball career. Uh, but Kyle Jackson, who was my baseball coach, he was the assistant at the time with uh, BJ Neverett as the head coach. He got drafted out of high school, um, had so many elbow, shoulder problems, you, you name it, he had it. And when he found out my results after talking to um, our trainer, he told me, like, this isn't the end for you. Don't think it's the end for you. Um, there's a bright, bright path ahead. You just need to work through that. And at the time, I, like I was saying, I thought my career was over and all these years that I practiced and trained were for nothing, but I decided to get Tommy John surgery and I couldn't have asked for a better support system. Uh, Ryan Brown up at, um, Wyndham, Maine, he was my therapist. He did everything for me. I grew a great relationship with him. Uh, all the trainers have been great for me. My doctor, Luke O, who actually the Futures League itself um, supported me with. I got a, the best of the best doctor uh, because of the Futures League. So I thank all you guys for that. But um, yeah, when, when you get told that you just tore your UCL and that's that's how you throw a baseball, you think you think everything's over. And it's a ve it was a very long process for me. It was during COVID too. So um as not being an emergent patient, I couldn't go to physical therapy after I, I, March. March was the last time I could go to physical therapy and I was eight months, six months out at that point. So it was kind of on my own path. Ryan Brown sent me the pamphlets of what exercise I need to do. And at that moment, it was I was just starting to extend my throwing. So it was more of the physical than um, trying to regroup your elbow more. So uh, thankfully it was then and not the very beginning, but Tommy John itself was a very mentally struggling and draining um, path, but I found my way through it and I can't thank myself for my family, my friends and coaches to help me get me through that because 
I definitely, definitely put me in a dark hole, especially during COVID, and I found a way to bounce through it. So I'm, I'm grateful to be able to play the game I still play again. And uh, knock on wood, my, my arm's very healthy now. So can't ask for much more. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I want to get into that a little bit more, the road to recovery, because you said it, you know, during COVID, you're, this injury that you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but, yet, you know, here you are on the other side. What was the road to recovery like with trying to do physical therapy during COVID and trying to recover during such a tough time? Uh, well, my mom, I kind of gave the packet to my mom and said, hey, you're my therapist now. You got to help me. Um, I might forget a few things, so I need you to remind me. So she was very huge for me, very supportive for me. Um, Tommy John itself for a recovery was difficult. You you go through a lot more mental than physical than you think. Um, at first, you take off the cast. You're doing all these like one pound um, exercises, and the one pound feels like thirty pounds because you haven't moved your arm. You got sixty stitches in your elbow. It's a whole new beginning for you. So I I took the the role of starting fresh, uh, whatever happened before Tommy John happened before, um, those stats are nothing anymore. And I used all the fuel, all the people that have doubted me. Um, I use those as my strength and my will to become back to where I was. Um, I had a few setbacks. Um, I think it was my second bullpen when I was still at St. Joe's before I transferred. Um, I had a lot of flare up in my elbow again, gave me a lot of more mental issues and, made me think that I retore it again. But again, I, uh, I met up with my trainer and you just said, you're, you're all in your head. Um, that's going to be, that's going to be what happens to you. That's, that's part of the recovery. You just need to stick to it. So um, when I stuck through the whole program, the program that was given to me was, I mean, it's caught me to back where I was and I felt like they set me up for as best success as I could. And um, Tommy John itself, it's, it's a long path, but, um, for me, it was all worth it. And um, I don't advise, I advise you to take care of your arms so you don't have to get this. But obviously, uh, this stuff happens to people that are pitching constantly and just playing baseball in general. And so road to recovery, you come out on the other side, you're making your first start and you talked about the mental part of it. So let's talk about that on your first start or your first bullpen, whatever it was going back from your surgery, was there any fear or going on in your head? Like what was going through your head when you stepped on the mound for your first appearance since surgery? Uh, it was more so just like a feat, uh, no nerves, no nothing. Like it was just, I was like, wow, like I'm finally back. I, I finally hit that last point to clearing Tommy John. Uh, in the back of my head, I, I, I was a little nervous to rip through the slider a little bit. Uh, that had me a little nervous, but um, it was just more just uh, the mindset of I finally overcame it. I came through that journey that I didn't think I was going to be able to. So uh, with all the negatives that Tommy John had, I just tried to personally think um, just positive and confidence through it instead of, oh, my gosh, like, could I tear it again? Uh, that was I just tried to stay away from that as much as I could because I knew that would um, just deflate me and not make me the better player that I could have been. So. I just try to stay positive and think of it as an achievement instead of a fear than uh, coming through Tommy John with my elbow. Yeah. That's, that's the mentality that you should have. There's, there's no fear. It's, it's a feat. You know, it's, we're Absolutely. back on the mound. We're doing it. We're pitching for the first time since this uh, surgery. So that's great. Absolutely. 
Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Back Company. Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Back Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest-grade wood bats for Litter League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond, and after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. So transitioning now, got a couple more questions for you before we sign off. You're from Derry, New Hampshire, so close to home with summer ball and now at school in at Southern New Hampshire. What does that mean to you, being able to play close to home and, and thriving while doing it? Um, it feels great. Um, thankfully, my mother and father uh, and brother, too, um, they love watching me play. They love coming to support not just me but the team. So uh, being close to home, that helps them uh, become closer to us. Um, coming to SNU, it's 30 minutes from my house, so they get to watch there. We didn't have any home games much last year because of our field, so that was unfortunate. But um, Nashua, Nashua has been huge for my family, and my they've done a lot for us. So that being included of us being close, um, Nashua has just been great to us. And it means a lot to not just me but my family of how close we are to summer ball and school ball because um, my mom just – she likes to be my photographer. She likes to just, she likes to record me and do all these things. And being able to have her watch me definitely um, gives me more of a success on the mound. I feel like too. It just it means a lot have being that close to home, and it's definitely a lot less stressful for me um, than others that have to live with the host family too. Yeah, for sure. That's great that you're only that you're so close to home when you're at Nashua and at school, and and it's important for moms to be photographers for you. That's exactly that's, yeah, exactly. And in high school, you were at Pinkerton Academy. You had the lowest ERA in the league your senior year at one fifteen. You had forty eight strikeouts and twenty eight innings pitched, and you were first team All State your senior year. What was your time in Pinkerton like? My time in Pinkerton was honestly a roller coaster. Um, my freshman year, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't really pitch much, honestly, my freshman year. I was more of a first baseman. Um, same goes for my second year. I was more of a first baseman. But my sophomore year, I started to focus in a little bit on pitching. My junior year, I I got hurt. I, like, strained a flexor ligament in my, in my arm. So I didn't get to play then. So I took a little bit of time away there. I was still a part of the team, but I just didn't feel like I had that connection. But uh, that that summer between my junior and senior year, Coach Campo talked to me, which uh, we have a very great relationship now. But he told me he was like, "Well, gee, I need you. I need you to step up. Um, I need you to fill in this role that we lost, and I need you to potentially play first base again." So going into that summer, I knew I had a lot of steps and strides I had to make, and I think I was only like seventy-eight to eighty my junior year. So I had a lot of work to do, and I. I'd say throughout that summer, that was the first year that I took lifting very critically inside of my baseball lifestyle. And that made me grow with success. And I started taking lessons and stuff with our, not our coaches itself, but where we 
were affiliated with for our winter workouts. Um, my senior year, I just, I just started being less reserved. I just put everything forward to it. Um, I was committed so that had a lot less stress on my mind. And my senior year, I just, I just threw the baseball down the middle, um, made sure I had a fastball and a slider just in case. But I feel like, um, my senior year too, I was just, I was a big piece of the team offensively more than just our pitching staff, because there was games where, um, our bats would struggle, but our pitching staff in high school would always pick us up. We had, uh, Richard Marique, me and Asa Runge. So we had, we had the arms to do it, but sometimes our bats would struggle against certain pitching. And I feel like I, I, I knew what role I had to do pitching wise, but I feel like um, Coach Campo didn't expect me to be able to swing it at all. And thankfully I ended up uh, doing well. I don't know what my batting average was my senior year, but um, I did the job that he needed me to do offensively as long as pitching too. Um, but my connection with Pinkerton, um, I still work the summer camps over the summer. I still um, communicate with Coach Campo. He actually was a huge piece of my um, transfer portal paperwork he's he helped out he reached out to all the coaches he could for me and even to this day he is always congratulating me on my accolades always seeing what he can do for me um the coaching staff there takes it to the next level and I, I was I was grateful and I feel like that Pinkerton is a huge part of who I am now yeah that's great to hear and you mentioned that you were quite the hitter at school too you had a homer and 28 RBIs your senior year as you said you know when the pitching was there the bat you you needed some bad help and you definitely provided that. Did you ever consider two way or was that never an option because you focused on pitching or? Um, so I'm, a, I'm, I'm really weird. I I'm a lefty pitcher, but I hit righty. So my lead elbow is in the front and I did not like wearing an Evo shield. So when I got to St. Joe's, he just, he told me like, I mean, you don't really see a lefty first baseman, righty hitter, and a lefty pitcher. So he kind of slimmed it down right there and said you were going to only be a pitcher, which I, I was upset because uh, St. Joe's did have a really short porch and left. So got the eyes, got the eyes gazing out there. But I knew I knew in the in the long run that what I wanted to do was be a pitcher, and I feel like that was going to give me the most success. So it's upsetting I don't swing the stick no more, but I'm glad, uh, I'm glad of where I am right now. Yeah, I think that worked out for you. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and back to high school for a minute. One thing is you also threw a couple no-hitters in high school, too, in fact. What what was those like, throwing a little no-hitter action in uh, in high school? Uh, I mean, obviously, no-hitters no hitters are feet that you can't, you can't reach above. And uh, I just felt like uh, just made sure to throw strikes. I knew that we had Brady Day, Kansas State second baseman, uh, Jacob McGill at shortstop. He was very good for us. And we had Connor Jenkins. Like, I, we had the defense that we needed to. Um, so I just needed to throw it down the middle and get those plays done. And like I was telling you about earlier, you got to take advantage of the, the weaker team. So when we would put up 10 runs, that just deflates a team for their offense. And it just made it a lot easier for my no-hitters. Uh, but – I mean, my senior year, I just, I grew with a slider, grew with a heater, grew with, I found a, found a change up for a little bit in, in high school, but um, yeah, the no hit, no hitters are amazing memories and those live with me forever, for sure. It's, it was a great part, but I couldn't have done it without the coaching staff or the players behind me. Cause uh, one, one play I, I will, I will outlie was um, 
I want to say Frank Legion was playing first and Brady Day was playing set. No, Jacob McGill was playing shortstop and there was a blooper. No, no, sorry. Cut that all over. Frank Legion was playing third base and McGill was playing shortstop. And there was a bleeder over Frank Legion's head and it should have for surely been a hit. And Jacob McGill, who was our shortstop at the time, just fully extended. And I believe it was the sixth inning. So at that point, as a pitcher, you're starting to actually think of it because high school baseball is seven innings. So in my in the back of my head, I was like, okay, like I know we're going to win this game. It's I need to get this no hitter. So him fully extending, making that play, just that was absolutely electric. Uh, that definitely fired me up and gave me gave me a couple more ticks on the velo for the next inning. But uh, no, throwing a no hitter is amazing, and especially when uh, I know that it's doing nothing but benefiting my team. And if you throw a no hitter, you're winning a game since there's no hits on the field for the opponents. So I just I was just grateful that I could set up my team to win in any way possible. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. And you came pretty close to one uh, this season with Southern New Hampshire. You had a c- complete game one hitter. So almost yeah, there, uh, almost at that, both levels. That one hurt. I, I, It was the first batter of the game, 0-2 Ooh. count. And I didn't execute the high heater through, right down the middle by accident. And that was the only hit of the game. So learn from those. That's crazy. It was the only yeah. hit of the game. So you oh. shut down everybody else then. I think I retired uh, like 21 straight. So yeah i didn't i didn't know that until the end and then my pitching coach said you want to hear the good news or bad news and i was like well obviously the bad news first and he was like yeah you you gave up your no hitter the first hit of the game and you didn't give up a hit at the rest so that stung a little bit knowing that but uh we got the win so that's all that mattered yeah that's great and i did want to ask you this about pitching you've been a starter at southern New hampshire but you've also come out of the bullpen many times at school and with nashua so what what is that like when you how does your mentality change how does your game change preparation when you have to whether it's a start or coming out of the bullpen? Um, there is obviously a difference, but the way I the way I work, I'm a I'm a very high tempoed pitcher. I just if I'm if I'm feeling myself and I get in that rhythm, I just try to work as quick as I can. So um, my pitching coach here and my head coach know that, so they just they just keep telling me just throw like you're out of the pen. Uh, I was a starter before I was a bullpen guy but Tommy John switched that. So now thankfully I'm back to a starter here this year, but the mindset's just throw every pitch, throw every inning, like it's your last thing. Don't hold back any stamina. Uh, Cause that's when you're going to mess up and make mistakes on the mound. So I just, I just continue batter by batter, uh, throw every inning. Like it's my only inning of the game and don't hold back. So I keep, I keep the same mindset as a closer, but um, obviously I, I got to mix up the pitches a little more. Cause during the summer I come in facing seven eight nine on a team i can just groove nine heaters by them uh with summer ball or school ball they're going to see me more than once so i got to make sure i have at least the slider or change up working that day yeah that there it is right there perfect mentality for for both positions right there exactly all right two more questions for you starting with this who is a player in the major leagues that you look up to and you try and model your game after ah uh, that's that's tough um Right now, I mean, I I have the same mechanics as Shane McClanahan. Um, I look up to him for Shirley. He's he's had some arm injuries too, as long as I did. But um, no, I just, I look I look for I look through what he's done. Um, I want to be where he is right now. Obviously, as as everybody who else plays in the Futures League. Um, but Shane McClanahan, I'd say I'd look up to the most because of how 
similar I can be to his mechanics, but overall I would probably say not just in the league right now, I would say Randy Johnson. That's, that's everybody's lefty's dream. Uh, guy was unhittable from the left side. You can't get any better than he was as a lefty. So I feel like that's who I look up to um, or base my game off of the most is Randy Johnson. Live heater, and then once they start to foul a few off, then mix in a slider once in a while. Yeah, those are two great pitchers to uh, to model your game after right there. And you've mentioned a few, and this is going to be a tough question, but it's our last question, and that is your favorite all-time baseball memory. Winning, winning the championship this summer. Um, I, I tried to, I've tried to think of multiple other things when people have asked me what my favorite memory was, but just the way, just the way we, we battled as a four and I think we were four and 12. I could be wrong, but just the way we battled as a four and 12 team. I remember I came, I came there late and people weren't taking it as serious yet because it was the first 15 games, 16 games. So uh, when I got there, Cam Cook, like I said, he told me that I need to step up and be a leader with this young team. So I let them know this isn't just for fun. Um, we're going to grow more fun as a winning team. Um, and just changing the 4-12 and 12 team to a 10-game win streak, um, having all of our memories together is the memories we grew for each other was amazing. The friendships we grew together and just the walk, the two two outs, ninth inning, Kyle Wolf home run. That's you. You can't draw it up better than that. And obviously, like I was saying, Vermont's a great team. They battled against us all year. We knew that going into the bottom of the ninth, even when we had Will Andrews, it was it was they were going to put up everything they had left. So, getting bases loaded, one out, everyone's like, "Oh, here we go, game three, Vermont Nash." Whether it's going to be an extra inning, but uh, Will Andrews battled adversity. He showed his true dog in him, and. Uh, that capped off the best baseball memory I've ever had. I got it right here. I got it right here. That's, there the, it best. Is. that's Champions. the best hat I own. The best hat I own. <laughs> George Welch, 2022 Futures League champion, three-year veteran of the Futures League. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, great, great organization, great league run, and um, just go Knights. Go Knights. We appreciate that, man. Those, those, new, those new jerseys, by the way, Gate City. Those are those are amazing. Yeah, a little rebrand in Nashua. So congrats to the Silver Knights on that. And that'll be uh those will be cool to debut this summer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate coming on here. It was a great experience. Of course. This has been season six, episode four of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon. Thank <laughs> you.